0: Why is alcohol accepted? It is a drug. It was even at one time an illegal drug. Part of what it does to us is euphoric, but technically it is a poison. That causes temporary and permanent damage. In fact, most of its effect is negative, if not arguably entirely so. Some might say it represents freedom. The freedom to do with one's body as one chooses. This is a noble-sounding affectation, but it carries merit. Why, then, are so many other drugs deemed dangerous and illegal, even if they are far less a risk and a greater boon than alcohol? Maybe alcohol can be compared to that of legal pharmaceuticals, in that it is a drug widely regarded and used, like ibuprofen. After all, for many thousands of years in human culture, there has been wine at the table. It also represents a familiar product that can be marketed well. Therefore, controlling it is a way of controlling all other drugs that people might or would imbibe. Monopolizing drug sales allows the powers that own them to dictate what is legal and what is not. If that's true, then corporate competition and not human well-being is the motivator. It really seems that human safety is only a necessity to sell the product, not to protect the user. In that case, the more effective or helpful a drug is becomes measured by its production rather than its usefulness. For example, cannabis was once legal in the United States for purchase, growing, and use. It was cotton companies that lobbied for its inclusion in the first anti-narcotics laws. Hemp is a powerful and cheap resource. With clever propaganda, any drug can be made a villain, or its negatives exaggerated upon. As Dominic Milton Trott writes, The first casualty of war is truth, and the war on drugs is no different.
1: Welcome back to Audio Pong. What's going on, Mark? Zach, what's going on, dude? Oh, not much. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be recording. Man, this is literally like the funnest part of my of my day, my week, my month. I love recording. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that I get to voice my opinion and like just be creative in that regard. But I I love doing this.
0: You know me too. I and I agree. I think that's part of it because, you know, you can only have so much fun talking to yourself. <laughs> and, and as much fun as that is, uh, you don't really learn much. You know, you you there's you, you reach a limit of your nuance, I guess you could say.
1: Where well, your I feel like I just have, falls too many, off. I have too many questions that I can't answer myself. I'm like, I need someone's idea to bounce off of this. It's like, I really don't understand this concept. It's like, why make anything like drugs? Like, why make them illegal? It's like, to me, it's like, it's, it should be my choice to to fuck my body up or to use these things in a productive manner because some drugs are productive some drugs can really help your your state of mind your well-being of your body and your health like and other drugs can can put a damper on your life can really bring you down and it's all about using them responsibly and i, th- I think that's what we're going to be talking about is using is is Well, it's called The Drug User's Bible. It's a book that we both read, and we're going to kind of be reviewing it and talking about our opinions on the war on drugs, the the big pharma, just different things and how our perception of drugs has Yeah, I I
0: mean, we're definitely going to touch on our experiences uh, with drugs, either directly or or indirectly. Um, And I think – I I actually wondered, like, how – how well should I t- articulate or, or define my experiences with drugs? I'll just say that in general, because mm. that includes both legal and illegal substance use. And, you know, does that, does that incriminate me if I admit? Well, I, can't. I mean, I at, I at this hearsay. point it hasn't. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> that's your It's hearsay. It's not on a podcast. Well, it's fictional, <laughs> isn't it? I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's just for you know, the pussy in me worried about that. But no, I'm not worried I get about that it too. anymore. I wouldn't want to yeah.
1: <laughs> admit to something You know, the first rule about doing something wrong is uh don't advertise it.
0: I guess that's true, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm yeah, so that occurred to me as well. Uh I also thought about well, as far as like indirect experiences with drug use, I, I, I would count knowing people around me that misused drugs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I have known people to die from the misuse of drugs. And oh, I include man. alcohol into that.
1: Oh, for sure. Um,
0: thankfully, neither one of those friends, I hate to say it this way, were too close, but they were people I saw all the time that I partied with or, you know, uh, hung out with, that kind of thing. And so um, the, that those negative experiences affected my life. It changed me in certain ways. You know, like uh, I'll, I'll definitely be the designated driver if there isn't one. And I usually quietly establish that with myself before going out or just, you know, when I think about where I'm going. Okay. In order to determine if I need to be that person.
1: Right. Right. You, you like, you, uh, you discuss amongst the group with yourself. Yes. <laughs> Who's going to be the, the designated Who's going to be the
0: adult tonight if, and if, and we, if we need one. And yeah. it's going to be you. And it's going to be me because, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and maybe we'll get into that story as well. But I'd also like to, um, I'd also like to hear, because where our brains differ the most, I think, is analyticals, or analyticals, maybe other ways too. No, but analytics. Uh, I think the way you and I look or study information is slightly different. We, we both, we seem to always be on the same wavelength when it <laughs> yeah. comes to philosophy. But I, if, if I was to draw a line, I would say, or to define it, I would say that the way you look or study things is a bit more abstract than me. I tend to be more cognitive, and I find that you're a bit more obst- a- abstract. Yeah, I like fair to, to look for
1: the bigger picture and the bigger, like, you know, overall concepts of ideas. And I'm always trying to strive for the the most um, uh, optimistic outcome. So that know? doesn't at all define
0: <laughs> what I just said. Yeah, it does. <laughs> no. no. So let me give you an example. I don't know. Because um, I, no, I... I agree with you I, I I'm the same way when it comes to that when I what I' what I mean by abstract is that you will pull things completely out of left field sometimes that so, that seems to go unnoticed by my brain if it isn't cognitive meaning if I didn't follow the breadcrumbs of an idea down a path or a, a line of thinking then I would otherwise miss that same detail or that that detail that you pointed out Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. It sounds coherent, but there. I don't. I guess I don't understand what you mean. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't. That doesn't mean. Do you that's mean not your like fault? it's like
1: I take like a a weird like concept and try and like make it in line with whatever topic we're talking about?
0: No, I see now. I'm actually having trouble trying to give a definition. My brain is saying we've got lots of examples, but then when it gets to my mouth, it's like I can't say anything. Um, no, what I mean is that you, um, you think out. Like we both think outside the box, but you will do it in an abstract way. It could be something completely un, seemingly unrelated, but maybe related. It's almost like, uh, like a gamble. See, now I'm I'm losing track, but that's all right. So, like for, but in my case, I feel like I often, I often need a, a chain of events to lead me down a path of understanding something. You know, connecting A to B and B to C and C to D, mm-hmm. and then going off path. And considering,
1: oh, okay, yeah, no, I go off the path. You all the yeah, t- you, I go a, you go A to L, and it's yeah. just like, how did we get to L, Zach? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the moon, and now there's ice on Mars. Like, what we were the moon, Zach? We were talking about the moon, right? And I then we'll find
0: out later that you had you that, yeah, that you were saying something incredibly uh genius, although it's sometimes a surprise to you, so that's I. that's what I mean by somewhat I've
1: Yeah, okay, I get that. I'll, I'll agree. Okay, I'll agree. well, you don't have to. <laughs> That's
0: just my opinion. But, yeah, so I I didn't hear, I didn't know about this Dominic Milton Trot. I always said his name correctly. Yeah. Uh, until you introduced him to me and told me about his book. And this guy is not, a, as far as I could tell, he's not a professional He's not a professor or a doctor. He's no. not really a scientist. He's not a, an educated, uh, uh, let's say an educated scientist, but we're all scientists the way I look at it. And he decided to do this study because he was a uh, narcotics user himself. He seemed to do some drugs. He admits yeah, that in his Yeah, he book. says that
1: he... Um he experimented a little bit with some uh, psychedelics in college. You know, he smoked some pot here and yeah. there. You know, it's very, very light usage. But really, what sparked him to create the Drug Users' Bible was to because people were dying over silly mistakes of overdoses and like redosing and like and, and taking too much, which you know eventually he mentioned that
0: he, he he was on. So that's where I got some of that knowledge was the fact that he he mentioned that in his book that he studied he seemed to study drugs anyway. He was interested in their use and he went to a lot of online forums where people talked about the use of drugs and things like that.
1: right. That's where he actually found his doses because there's no regulative like uh there's no, there's no hard science. It's all under it. the table, it's, yeah. Kind it's of all like you know, black net within shit. within the yeah. community, and then there's like other people like who, who just kind of like talk about the doses they take and what what they do, and then you got to be careful because like if you're, you, you can build up a tolerance to some of these like heavier drugs like heroin, right? And if you go in for like what a heavy he- heroin user does, you're gonna die, like you know, because like your body's not hasn't built built up that tolerance yet. So he wanted to create this drug users bible to help mitigate deaths and because. Um, the war on drugs killed knowledge and in these fields. Like, we don't have a lot of information because, like, take psychedelics for example. Um, they're uh scheduled one um drugs, so they can't be that means that they can't be used for research. There's no medical benefit, and there's no there's they're they're just dangerous, right? Which is
0: completely untrue,
1: especially blatantly untrue for uh psychedelics. Psychedelics are one of the safest drugs, they now. They're not only safe, dude. They can literally cure your depression. Like they—they they have long-lasting effects that other serotonin. Uh, re- hip, I forget what they call it, SRI's or something like that, right? Mm. They're like to do with your serotonin to help you like uh, make yourself happier with serotonin. But um, with uh, psychedelics like shrooms and LSD, especially, they—they uh, they can like help rewire your brain and and. uh break habits they can um like i said help you with your depression and literally just have like these revelations in, in your own mindscape and then they have long-lasting effects than any talk therapy than any normal uh depression drug they, they've helped people cope with death who are going through uh cancer and like have terminal illnesses Some of ter- yeah and they now they-
0: are we talking about like botanical psychedelics or do you include chemical psychedelics with that
1: well, LSD would be a chemical, right? And yeah. I would consider um like uh, magic mushrooms and magic truffles to be botanical, but in his book they are labeled under That's right. Yeah. Um chemical. Mm-hmm. W- because he he goes first he goes through uh Okay, so this guy spent 10 years at, uh doing all these different drugs, 157 drugs. Like that's how many he did. I am like, that's 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 a journey. <laughs> that is a long journey because he did a lot and he does them all legally. Like, yeah, he went around the world. He, he went yeah, to different. He first started in UK where he where he's based, right? That's where he lives. Um, he did all the drugs he could do um, in the UK, which was actually at the time quite a few. I was
0: surprised. there's quite a bit. Did, I don't remember if he mentioned what year or decade that he was able to do these things in the UK. I think
1: it, I think it was the two thousands.
0: See that seems that seems pretty early. Uh, or, yeah, it's or late to me, Rather, yeah, it's recent. It's, yeah. it's pretty
1: recent, um, and there was a lot of different psychedelics he was able to find. Uh, um, there was a lot of, uh, uh, I think, stimulants as well. Just a lot of different like smaller drug, and it was called like this. Uh, I forget what the, what the what the the trade was called, but it was all done on the internet, and there's these different websites that were all .dot uk right. Um, that he was able to get a lot of just straight chemicals from. Um, the botanicals, it seems like it was a little... He, it was either more difficult by the time he got to them or what it was exactly, but he had to travel more for the botanicals, which was part of his um, experience that he wanted to have was to have these in the proper set and setting and do them with the culture and the the intent behind them, especially when it came to botanicals. that really. Yes, because
0: like, it affects... I mean, even a botanical... Uh, drug, is affected by where it's grown too, and how it how it's cared for mm. and what it's grown with. Yeah, yeah. And I think the first one he went, if I recall, the first one he went to go use was ayahuasca, okay. which is interesting to me because, to me, ayahuasca is like you know top tier. Dude, like yeah, i would work it's, my it's, way it's a, up to it rather than start trip. with it yeah
1: and it's it's a long dmt trip which yeah, is yeah it's weird. like
0: five or six five plus hours basically is what i've what i've
1: heard yeah and it's it, it's violent like your your body goes through some some purges
0: oh it sounds terrible there's like you know vomiting or diarrhea and but wh- but people come pain. out of it
1: yeah. with a whole new outlook on life a whole new perception on how reality is is and what it is and what it means to be alive and all these it makes me really want to do psychedelics but i yeah. don't like the duration that's my problem it's like i don't want to feel that way for five or six hours plus and then lasting into the next day you still have these residuals and i'm just like dude i don't want. see to, i i'm the opposite i don't want to feel you. that way that long like that's
0: in my experience i really disliked the short trip so like I've only done DMT once, hmm. and it was over in minutes. It was terrible, and that upset me actually because i I really like a good long trip. I mean, I've only once experienced what they call uh, ego death, hmm. and I thought before I there were times before I had this experience of ego death that I thought I had had it. I was wrong. That what I what I experienced before it was still imagination. It was still fantasy. When I had true ego death death. Um, it was actually after a really long shroom trip and I was driving, um, you know, this is like 12 hours after I'd had taken, you know, I don't know how many grams. It was a pretty big dose, probably five grams. I was
1: say over five. It was
0: probably around five.
1: Five is considered um, the the hero's journey. Yeah,
0: that was definitely what I had. And it was the most I'd ever taken in my life. Um, and this is back when, you know. I didn't. I just trusted the person. I didn't really know what I was getting. I didn't know how much it was. I just took it.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is dangerous. Mm. Very dangerous. Um, yeah. It's against one of the 10 commandments of the drug user is. Bible.
0: Yeah. And that's why th- this book is, I think, really important uh, as far as education about drugs is concerned. But just to sum up the rest of my story, I was beyond what I thought um, the full trip had been. And at best, maybe in, re- in residuals. Right. Right. Uh, and. I was driving and I, it it just randomly out of nowhere, it felt random that it occurred to me that I didn't know who I was. And I started panicking because I couldn't think of who I was. I didn't, I kept saying, who, who, who is this person? Who, who are you? It was so very, like I was losing my mind and I kept trying to connect my thoughts with who I am and I couldn't do it.
1: So is that, would that be considered dissociative as well? Yeah, it was very much, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, there was no
0: amnesia. I I had, I could recall, I could, I could reference memories of, of Mark, but I didn't know where he was. It was so bizarre. And
1: so it was like a, almost like an, an alternate entity within your mind. Yeah, I felt like I was, I was, like I was visiting seat.
0: my body. It was very strange. It literally felt like I'd come out of nowhere and landed in this body.
1: You know, I've had a th- and
0: I was—I mean, sober, 100% awake too. I was driving to work.
1: I've had a similar experience actually at work, <laughs> where um, there was no drugs involved. Um, I was, I was recently injured. It was one of the first times I got injured at the castle for like a, a, a big injury, and um, I had to be out for of the show for a while. So they had me making ice cream. Which was just like humiliating. Oh, I've for done me. that. It's you, go, fun. you go, you go from being a rock star to yeah. to make an ice cream, like yeah. a literal rock star. Right. Like I'm not playing music, but I am. I'm out there on the field, having thousands of people, literally more like a thousand plus people cheering at me. Yeah, like that. That, that is a rock star. Anyways. Um, I'm, I'm over there making ice cream. I'm not in my regular uniform. I'm wearing like a surf uniform. So I have like this weird shirt on. Nothing I'm wearing is, is what I usually wear. And I'm just like in this like drone state of like pouring ice cream into these cups. And all of a sudden I'm like, this isn't my body. Like, who is this? Like, this isn't me. It was almost like not really an ego death, but it was like... I, it was a transformation of something. Like, I was like, I wasn't even in my body anymore. Like, this is no longer me. Like, who is this person? It was, it was like literal. Like, I had these, like, like I was convinced. I was like, this is, this is not my body. It's not like, like, oh, this isn't me, you know, like this, I'm better than this. It was like, no, this is not, I'm not in my body right now. Like, this, this is a different person. I felt like I was in, like, like my mind's transported into an altered universe almost. The only thing I can, I can,
0: I can say that I should have said was that, um, I made it sound like it, I was having an argument with myself, but I wasn't. And also, um, as the term implies, I had no selfish thoughts. I was completely, I was, it was almost like, uh, I don't know how to also explain it. It's like bereavement, except I wasn't sad. you know, it's like I was at a funeral, but I wasn't sad is like another way to to possibly say it. it. And that, and that went on for almost an hour. Like it was about 40 minutes. And cause it was a 45 minute drive and that drive felt How like was your
1: heart was it racing? I don't know.
0: No, I was, you know, I, again, I said, I, I had like, you know, like I was panicking, but I wasn't like my body was incredibly calm, mm. you know? And I was so calm. I mean, I was like so relaxed. Like I actually, Nothing like could that have feeling. bothered me at
1: all. I yeah. like the feeling of like anxiety. I think it's, it's, it's maybe it's from doing the show so much. And like, you know, I'm used to that heart racing, like adrenaline kind oh, of thing. Yeah. And I miss that. But like, I like that. Like when I have too much caffeine, that's one of the best feelings in the world. When I'm going through like that anxiety and I'm just like, my, my heart's like racing. Well, I'm then
0: you like, would, have you ever tried Adderall?
1: No, oh, I don't, man. After, after reading the book uh, and reading about stimulants, I don't want to touch any of the, like a like, harder stuff because he was saying how there, it comes in. A, what, what, one of the, the things is that he talks about, what goes up must come down. Yeah. So the higher, the, the stimulant and the more, amped you get the low just as low you will get you will be so drained you will pay for it And the and the in the in the with unders.
0: stimulants i i i wholeheartedly agree with him with the stimulants that i have used mm-hmm. um there is a movie um who does the voice of the raccoon from
1: uh, guardians of the galaxy i forget his name oh i really don't know i know. i, I know uh vin diesel does is group, it brandon but I, is, is I, it I
0: brandon something or man anyway um that same actor did another movie called Limitless. Okay. Have you ever
1: seen that? No, but I think I, I remember the concept. So where...
0: Limitless is a really, it's actually a really good movie. And I think in some ways it's prophetic. I think one day we will have, if not a drug, some kind of treatment that is like Adderall, but times, let's say a thousand that allows you to be much more of a human, almost like a superhuman in, in knowledge and focus and thought, mm-hmm. uh, in memory over what you are currently what you are naturally um and the reason i bring up that movie is because um uh, when he would be off the drug he would crash very hard yeah. and my experience i've taken Adderall a few times in my life man when you are on when it's running that's how you feel you feel like that character and you feel limitless like you feel like superman like you can do anything not just physically but mentally yeah. and it's such an intoxicating feeling and there's no um, what's really amazing about it is that you can get, it's like being on a really high cocaine, like a real, like, st- like stimulating cocaine high, mm. but without the paranoia that comes with being high on cocaine. Cause cocaine, uh, can cause a lot of paranoia, uh, when the, the more you do, the higher the dose you take, it gets even worse and it can really... It can really drive you nuts and stress you out.
1: So, like when you're influenced by uh, a drug like cocaine that's giving you paranoia or any drug that's doing ha- has that effect, mm-hmm. can you rational your way out of that? Can you be like i'm I'm high right now. You like I know that like the, there's there's not cops outside waiting to bust me down. there's there's no one out there right now trying to hurt me. Like I'm in a safe space. I know what i I, I set this up properly. I know where I'm going. And technically,
0: I'm you can and I have. And what helped me, two things helped me, Um, my experience with meditation and my experience with psychedelics. And the reason I bring that up is because you learn, it's just like Alan Watts said, he's a good example. He he mentioned once in a lecture that uh, the use of psychedelics, proper use of psychedelics should be by those who are trained in meditation, who understand it. Because they their minds are better prepared, and that is true. I think for any drug, because even a stimulant. Because when I was in that moment, in moments where I was too hyped up and I was becoming paranoid, there were times when I could talk myself down, mm-hmm. basically calm myself down. But I mean, there, so and there's just but ride there, it out. Basically, there can be a threshold
1: to where the the power is greater. You can than lose. Your oh power. yes, there
0: definitely is. I mean, I lost. In part, I lost my job working in plastic surgery because of too much. Uh, cocaine oh really i was wait yeah that's a long story but uh it made me violent and that violence led to my firing technically
1: the um was the violence outside of the drug like after you were you had come down or was the violence during
0: well you could say that i was trying to relax and come down Mm -hmm. but i had mixed um a lot of things that night with it mainly alcohol and alcohol is a depressant, not a stimulant. Right. So a lot of people, I used to know a lot of people who they weren't, I weren't as, I wasn't as bad as they were. They, they highly abused cocaine. They were on it every day, not just, you know, when we partied or whatever. Right. And they were always countering it with alcohol. Um, and like what you were mentioning or what Dominic talks about is when you, that, that super high, you come down from it, it's twice as bad. If you've been mixing depressants with it, especially oh, alcohol, because yeah, alcohol's already a poison. Yeah, right. So I mean, some drugs are just straight up poisons. They're you're like not, you're, yeah. you're
1: double double dealing at that point.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, in my experience, the worst I've ever felt was you know having a coming down, let's say from a stimulant, and then also being hungover. That is
1: that sounds rough. That is uh, hangovers are pure bad enough or death, especially you, mine because yeah. I, I just with my acid reflux, hangovers are the worst. Well, I want to go over the the 10 commandments real quick that are in the drug users bible yeah, i think that would be them, really man. good for our, our you know our listeners to hear that's one of the key parts yeah far away so the command number one is research 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 so do your research on the drug make sure it's something that you're prepared for something you want to do something you agree with and you you know the risks involved uh Number two would be source carefully, like know where it's coming from, that it's a reliable person, a reliable source, um, someone you trust, word of mouth, you know, things like that. There's something, you know, reviews, you know, like you do on Yelp. It's the same thing. Yeah, make sure
0: it's five star.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Number three is actually test it so you can get these kits, which I had no idea that you could get like home kits Mm -hmm. for drugs. Like mm-hmm. You can find out what's in your what's in your shit. Like that's amazing. You can even send drugs away to be tested. Yeah. You <laughs> and I, I, anonymously. Believe it or, not, believe it or they, not,
0: I knew that before I read the book. You know what was in the book as far as testing is concerned, that I, I don't know why it surprised me, was that drug festivals have booths where you can have oh, your drugs tested I, I, for free. I skipped over that part, I guess. I didn't now, hear Yeah, that. I I don't know why that surprised me. Well, it surprised me for one I've never been to a, like a large-scale drug festival. Yeah. And and I want to, but I thought, well that how nice that they would offer that service, you
1: know. Yeah, and they don't they don't incriminate you. They don't do nothing. It's like that is that right. is that is the best. That is so safety conscious. Like okay, you're going to fuck up. It's like, you know, teen teens having sex at that point. You know, it's like I know you're going to do it here's a condom, Yeah, you know, like, let's at least be safe about it. Like that is so, it's like altruism and intelligence, like combined right there.
0: (laughs) My father told me when I was, I was still only like 12 or 13, but some of the advice he gave me was, uh, he said, I can't stop you from drinking or smoking, but I'm not picking you up in the morning. If you're drunk, you got to find your own way home.
1: So oh, that really? was,
0: in other words, that was clever to me. And I still think so. That's smart advice because that made me think more about the responsibility of my action as opposed to the consequence of my action.
1: Really? I feel like that would be like a dangerous thing to say because then like, well, then I'll just drive myself home if you're not going to be there. Well,
0: I didn't have a car, so he knew. You know? Oh, I
1: see. Mm, and besides, he that knew helps. that I
0: understood what he really meant. I yeah. See, that's what I mean by abstract. That That's a slightly abstract thought. That you would just assume that I would just defy, just like go pure stupid and just like, oh, well, fuck it. I'll just drive myself home. Then I, you know, I don't well, care. Well,
1: yeah, because that's what, like, if you have no one to turn to, you turn to yourself, right? Right. And but you that's, do what you need to.
0: that's what he knew. He knew that I would cognitively make that. I would lead. I would lead my own thoughts into that. Into that thought. Right? Yeah, he knew what you. He were. He knew that. I, he, yeah, he that you were my more father. He knows that me, Right. I get you. Okay. He knew I was smart enough to get what he meant, and then my thinking would lead me toward what you just said. Okay. So that way, it made. In other words, what was also so clever about that was that I did all the, the disciplining myself. I, I I spent all the time thinking about it and then giving advice to myself, mm-hmm. and all he said was that.
1: Yeah. Right? <laughs> he made you a self parent. <laughs> yeah. Um. So number four is to invest in uh, milligram scales. So get like yeah. high quality scales because some of these drugs work on like milligrams and you have to be like precise, especially with um. So heroin, um, like the the, what are the those are suppressants, right? The depressant, depressants. I f- I forget exactly uh, what it is.
0: There is a there is a diagram that showed. Uh, the four spheres, and then how some drugs overlap, and right.
1: And but how- like heroin, and is like, it, it showed like a uh, comparison photos of heroin, carton fentanyl, and fentanyl, and it was like, it was like heroin was like a brick. It was like, it was like there was a good chunk of like, of like stuff in there, in that vial, right. And the next one had like very little. You could see at the bottom that there was like a ring of carton fentanyl, or something it was like carton fentanyl, or something like that, right. And then the next one was like a photo of a vial with Ted like you couldn't even see like it looked like there was just like dust in there so you so you was just saying like you have to be very careful with your dosing you have to follow these uh the the correct dose because otherwise you can you can od and die in
0: the so part of what i read too in that dosage section and through in several other parts of the book as well was he talks about um uh, ROA roots of administration, mm. which is just how you take the drug, basically. Right. And one thing he talked about was uh, in in, in, re- in reference to measuring was how um, a common term is eyeballing. Like you know, I eyeball ten milligrams of uh, I don't know whatever you know, heroin or crack. Um, and then he goes on to make the point that some someone he read he's communicated with once in on a forum thought that that meant. That that eyeballing was a route of administration and he put something, I think it was LSD in his eye and he almost went blind because of it. I could be wrong about the drug I type. don't
1: think it was LSD. It was like a powder.
0: It was. You're right. It was a powder. I—I I, The reason I, what, what was crazy to me was as smart or as dumb as I am. I had that thought once. I didn't do it, but I thought, man, what if I put a tab of LSD in both eyes? You know what I mean? And then just like let the teardrops like push the, the paper out. Or whatever, or if I did like actual eye drops, yeah. And I, I never did it, and I'm glad I didn't. But it was just funny to me that that, that yeah, that was so silly. That that some so other funny. moron had, like another moron besides me had the same thought and actually yeah, did it. Yeah, it's the
1: miscommunication, you yeah, know, a it's, misunderstanding. That's why there's that's why this book is important is to have something that's like straightforward. is isn't feeding around the bush about any subject, right? It doesn't. Right. It doesn't like. See, that's one of the things I hate. About like when you're trying to buy, say you're trying to buy like equipment for whatever drug you're using. Well, it's labeled as like a. Let's say you're getting a grinder for marijuana. Even it's mm. labeled as a as an herb um, to grind herbs with. You know, it's not labeled as a grinder for for weed. It's not a weed grinder. You know? Right. Like, even that, though that's what people even are though that's use what it's for. Them. So yeah. it's like it's making these confusing terms and like you're supposed to be shady and underhanded about it so you can avoid the incrimination in the law. But it's like. You're, you're just clouding the information. You're making it murky, and more more misunderstandings can happen, like eyeballing, like, you know. Well,
0: I think, you know, uh, just to make example, a comparison, I feel, no, I believe that anything that humans want to do that our governments make illegal end up being more dangerous because of that. Yeah. And and, and it's, it's a lack of the education, but it's also a lack of uh, it it puts the practice or rather it puts the management of whatever the practice is into the hands of vile people and i think that's a big mistake I, and i think that applies to anything i mean uh, uh prostitution uh is another is another no yeah when I you make, make things like
1: illegal you put it in the underground and it it's only causes more not just violent like outwardly violence, but it makes it more dangerous right it makes it makes the information more murky it makes it makes the People like okay, so the whole thing with the war on drugs is there are people making new compounds, right? New chemicals to right. that are they're legal because they haven't been regulated yet they haven't been tested they haven't been you know shown to be dangerous and all this other stuff so so it's legal for a time like spice that was the the synthetic cannabinoids um things that are fake marijuana right they they're so dangerous they're they fuck you up and they in like the worst way like they're not good um he was saying in the book that 95 percent of uk's homeless is hooked on spice like that's the main drug of choice because like it was legal at the time you know, so they were able to get a hold of it. Yeah, and
0: whereas in the United States, it's what meth, amphetamine,
1: and well, opiates is the, is, the, is the biggest cause of mortality um, in, in America for like uh, drug overdoses and, and, and things like that, like like uh, Oxycontin, uh codeine, things like that. Like those are the those are our big troubles, especially in a lot of rural areas. It seems like you know you get to Kentucky and things like that, like people are just. Like down, and that's that's what they turn to.
0: You know, what's so shady to me too is that the the legal drugs, the pharmaceutical, the drugs that pharmaceutical companies uh, produce and sell, and allow us that the you know that our laws our laws allow us to use and have. Mm-hmm. Um, they they many times seem more dangerous to me. There's so many side effects
1: and, <laughs> and uh, yeah and I love the commercials how they just they say it like it's nothing yeah you know I was like ah you might die Ah, you might have some thoughts of suicide <laughs> erupting volcano of the anus like that's normal yeah uh,
0: and, and why you know it upsets me that we allow we allow them to do that to us so they that, can they they can sell us a vile drug a poison yeah uh, that who's in, uh, of which may have many more negative effects than positive ones which seems to be the case i don't know if you've been paying attention over yeah. the last especially the last like 30 years but drugs have turned into like pharmaceutical like legal drugs have turned into their own class of poison well, okay it just seems like nothing actually helps you
1: so there was um there was a pill that was like a it was like an anti-inflammatory like a steroid right um and I guess steroids can be really hard on your heart at times. Yeah, uh, like like they can be really they can they can mess you up there. So they were trying to make um because they they they're in a pro- they're in the business of making money, right? So the next drug to do that was was as a as a alternative to steroids was going to be to mitigate that effect on the heart, which is already nearly negligible for in most cases. So they make this new drug, they get past all the testing. But it's hard on your brain. You know, it, it can cause some damage, some some good amount of damage. Um, and that was more likely to happen like brain damage than it was so the for of, the heart. I so see. the new drug was more dangerous. But hey, it's safer on the heart. But it's more dangerous for your brain than the the one the steroid for the heart. Was it's it's so and they and they they made money they're making money off of of people pretty much dying. Well, that's out of the motivation because it was it was marketed as being good on the heart. I was like, that's
0: that's the real motivation. Is it, making money. It's it's not our well being. Unfortunately,
1: no. but I, yeah, it's crazy. And America and New Zealand are like one of the two countries that'll even allow um advertising. On TV and and the videos on like YouTube and things like that for uh, pharmaceuticals, like most countries don't allow that. Like all of Europe, <laughs> you, you won't see a single ad on on your on your uh, TV about um, really the no, newest drug.
0: No drug, no drug billboards or uh,
1: I, I don't remember commercials about on billboards and maybe magazines in print. Yeah. But on video, there's no video advertising. Interesting. Yeah, it's insane. It's like, how are we allowing this? And then, because it's like to me, it's like, shouldn't your doctor be the one that knows what drug you need to take and what drug is good for you? Like, why do I have to sh- talk to my doctor about gl- glorfazol? Like, you know, like why is that? Why do I have to come up to him with that? Like, shouldn't he be up on the literature? Isn't that his job is to always be learning?
0: Well, that that's well that uh, that brings up a completely uh, no. It's a relative topic. Is that um. There are just so many... I read many years ago uh, a report that the FDA does. I think they do it... I don't know how often they do the report. Maybe it is annually, but the testing they do annually. And basically, um, what I'm referencing is the fact that the FDA uh, tests different chemicals that are just just new chemicals alone in the United States every year is in the thousands. So thousands of new chemicals are created every year for all different sorts of purposes, right? Mm -hmm. But most of them... Have to be, uh, should be tested rather because they in some way interact with humans. But because of, I guess, the logistics, right, resources and time and whatnot, less than 10% of those chemicals that are created are tested and, and considered safe or are determined rather safe or not for humans. So the majority of the new chemicals that go into the things that we use possibly, arguably, every day or, or might, be, might encounter are untested. And what's interesting about that is not just the the direct effects of what that might be, but what about the long term effects? I mean, we're not even studying many of the chemicals. Go go back in recent history. Go back just a few decades and look at like asbestos, mm-hmm. right? right? Or or other chemicals that were common and thought they were safe because we didn't understand the long. We had no reference. Oh yeah. No, like,
1: oh, like Roundup. Using yeah, no. Their, I, their, yeah, Roundup is yeah. a good example,
0: right? So there was no no evidence was collected. Um, or really, uh, or no evidence was collected for any long-term effects and there was no effort to do it. Why? Because there's no money in it. Yeah. I mean, that's again, the main motivator for almost everything we do in our, in our society is money. And that's just unfortunate. I mean, there's no, you know, as a young, I still even now, but I used to, I used to get upset, lost in thought when I was a teenager. Cause I, I would spend hours, literally hours alone thinking, how can I make being a good person or doing good things rather altruistic things valuable like you know monetarily right oh okay. how, how could, can you monetize how altruism? can i monetize goodness in other words oh, what i was trying to figure it's out powerful motivators i never figured i have no solution yet um but i thought boy this world would really change if it was if you could make well, a fortune it, off it, of being of doing good things yeah for so like
1: doctors you could say would be they're altruistic, but some doctors do a lot of things for money. Yeah, so once I don't think money it doesn't involved, exist. But yeah, once money gets involved, does it become no longer altruistic? Though,
0: no, but it tempts, or, or it, tempts it, it
1: away. I mean, it. Or does mo- it? Does the 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 option to do a not so good thing because of the money, um, and you follow through with that? That would make it unaltruistic. Well, that's at the decision that, that one see, has to yeah, make. Okay. So, for example, I see the moral quandary now.
0: Making shoes. Right. Uh, corporations that make, let's say, you know. So Nike. Like Nike. They yeah. make gym shoes, things like yeah. that. There's lots of different businesses that make footwear on a large scale. Now, from what I have read about the footwear industry, it's very much like a lot of other industries where most of the labor is done by, in poor countries. Right. And people uh, live in terrible conditions and they get terrible wages and everything about their, their life experience is nightmarish. Compared, let's mm. say, to mine or ours, but that is that is the level of competition that must be uh, that must be played, that must be dealt with. So, a company asked that in that in that particular business, but this applies to any large mm. business on a large scale. Is that they have to make the decision, and the decision is this: either I compete and I and I survive and I make my fortune, or I don't.
1: You know, what's weird though is that that also creates a new niche. By doing that by by most companies following the profits and following like the, the cheaper route of, of, of making your product and it makes it a new niche for like American made products. Like we were made in America by Americans and we we uh we're, uphold quality. Yeah. You know, it's like we will we want this product to be great because it's America great, you know? So like that creates a new niche. I think that but I wonder if that like you know. If that then becomes murky morally because you're profiting also in a sense off of those people who are are working in those poor conditions because if it wasn't for them um, you wouldn't have this niche.
0: Well, I think that that's an abstract thought, but it, it, I, <laughs> it is. No, it is absolutely, uh, and I think that I think that applies to pharmaceuticals i think pharma, to me most businesses are identical in terms of how they resource and produce right mm-hmm. it's it's just the 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 context that changes and you know in other words everything is technically you know like an assembly line on a conveyor belt let's say you know just theoretically right and that includes drugs well especially drugs they they're definitely made on conveyor lines but the pharmaceutical companies especially here in america I I, I can't think of any example where the goal is human well-being, where they want to create a drug that is going to solve a problem in the best way or cure it. When's the last time you heard of a cure being created? I had that thought the other day. It's like when I was in school and learning about recent history, you know, in the in the 30s, well, the 40s, yeah. the 50s, pretty much the first like 30 years after World War II, <sighs> right? So during World War II and a few decades following it, the West, mainly the West, had all these breakthrough cures and um you know vaccines and and other things that could be done to completely wipe out right. all these ancient diseases and maladies that humans have been suffering from and often dying from okay. i mean just no, childbirth no, right yeah. so and but i'm using in this case drugs as the as my main example right no i know what you're talking and about and where why has that stopped it seems like we just 100% just don't care and we just accept this I, as a society i
1: think i don't i don't discount that idea entirely but i yeah. do also believe that those were the low-hanging fruit. Those were the easy diseases to cure. Those are the, you know, those- So you those, think
0: those breakthroughs were just what, right around the corner? They, they were Right, that's what I'm happen- saying.
1: Those are the ones, like, once we found out how to make it, this, once we found out the science that worked, we could we could apply this to many things, and it was easier. There's like this baseline of of diseases are all on the same level of, of curability. So like, oh, uh, uh, so are you okay? So now, what what are our big things that we're always talking about curing? Cancer, herpes, and they're much uh, more complex. And 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 HIV. You, the, HIV is ridiculous because it, it constantly changes its form, so you can't create just a cure all for HIV because it's always changing. Um, it's more than just an evolution. The literal, like inside your body, it's changing.
0: Well, you make actually you touched on a really good point. If I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, part of what you said was that there were so many new revolutions in science and breakthroughs in, at
1: that time. That was that was the, the where startup. the
0: effort was just discovery in general. Yeah, and because of that, not accidentally, but along the way to these new discoveries, we discovered ways to treat. Right, uh, yeah, those those were are the easier ones for us to cure. Now, so we're, now we're at mean. like okay.
1: the, you know, it's like it's like experience points when you're trying to like build up a character in a video game. You know, the first like ten levels are, you know, it's like bam, bam, bam. After mission after mission, you're leveling up. Then and once you get to like level fifteen, it's gonna take like uh ten missions to to get the next like, you know. And one Next might level.
0: one might argue that all we're doing now is side quests. We're just not finishing the game. <laughs> Sorry, that was my attempt at a an abstract Zach thought.
1: I, I think it's I, I think it's in line. That it's worries. in line. does yeah, it work. Yeah, okay, it thank works. you. I feel accomplished now. I feel I feel <laughs> at like at I started a lot of side quests that I never finished in life. <laughs> all right, so I guess let's continue on to the number six. So number five, let's go. It was uh, uh, proper proper dosing right and, and considering um how much you really want to take how much you you need to take and making sure you have the right dose and not and that you don't go over and that you only have access to what you want to do um number six is actually a really intelligent thought that i never thought of doing before it was test allergy test oh yeah, so it, was yeah. To, it was to take like a little a little snippet like the tiniest little bit, put it on or under your tongue. He says, "Yeah, that stood out to me too." Notice if you notice uh, any swelling, any itching, any irritation. I'm like, like that is genius. Yeah, that. Like, I didn't think about. Like, people are allergic to peanuts. Of course, there could be someone allergic to MDMA. Right. Like, that didn't. Well, that, that didn't that, click. I was like, the, of course. <laughs> I was like, this is that insane. that
0: stood out to me too because it made me think of all the things, you know, even just soda, new sodas or something, and drinks that I tried in my life, and I just I gulped. <laughs> you know, I never think of anything as a test because I don't really have any allergies. But that doesn't yeah. mean I I don't have exactly, any allergies. Exactly,
1: yeah. Yeah, that stood out to me too. Especially when you're dealing with such a uh, wide range of chemicals. It's like, you don't know. Yeah, that
0: potentially be, could be quite like, volatile. These are things you never yeah.
1: experienced in your life before. Yeah. You have no idea what the effects are going to be besides your research. I think that's part of the excitement that goes along with,
0: you know, if you're like me and you're kind of an adrenaline junkie, you, you know, you, you really don't hold back sometimes on trying new things so to speak i think that's part of the excitement i know it is for me uh, but that's part of the that's something that changes as you get older for sure that's definitely more in line with being young and ignorant
1: yeah well it's that uh your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed so you don't have your rational thinking and your decision making skills all the Do way your forward. elbows always fly up like you're transforming
0: or oh when, when i make points yeah, yeah it's
1: like it's like it's like characters that ignite <laughs>
0: if we removed a video i'm gonna get the transformer like sound effect every time we do that <laughs>
1: yeah no I, I don't know i get animated and it's like haha <laughs> <laughs> so what's number seven though? number seven is uh ask yourself if you're feeling okay physically and mm, mentally that's right, yeah and i was like yeah that makes sense because like if you're already sick you don't want to like add another chemical to that that whole like your body trying to heal itself. like have you, you
0: done that many times in your life? I feel like I've done that. I still do it. I feel stupid because I, I still do it so often where I know something's wrong and then I push my body further or I do or I get involved or or eat something. Or. See,
1: for me, um I always feel sick. So I hate that question. <laughs> I always feel ill. Like I always have a stomach ache. Um, my head almost always hurts. Um, I'm always feeling like, like uh, for work we have to do this thing. It's Kinza, and it asks you, it takes your temperature, and you have to ask you a series of questions. Like, are you feeling healthy today? I'm like, no, of course I'm not feeling healthy today. I always feel sick, but I guess I'm healthy enough. So you lie? Yeah, of course. I got to work. Yeah. I always have a stomach. My stomach is always hurting. Like yeah. it always, at least at some level. You know what I've always hated day. is the, uh, the one I, I was,
0: I want to feel, I, I want to say I was alive when, when hospitals first introduced the one to 10 scale for like, mm. how do you feel or doctor's visits? I hate that shit. I yeah, hate the I one to really 10 like scale. I don't really like that either
1: because it's like, like 10 is like the worst pain imaginable. Like that doesn't make sense. Like my pain is, this pain is so relative. It's like well, this is the first time I stubbed well, my toe. It's taupe, just you know if the this way is the first I, time I stubbed my toe. That yeah, that's the worst pain imaginable. I can't believe I did that.
0: I just don't think it's it's like what do you learn from me trying to scale the pain? Like either something is wrong with me and I need help, or I don't. I I don't understand. Like there's so few instances I th- I feel that where a scaling of your experience in the negative spectrum of an or in a negative experience yeah. really matters to okay. in any scientific way.
1: So. I can uh, this is one thing I do appreciate about the the pain scale is that it's helped me recognize my back and like where I'm at in in my healing process because I was sitting at like four threes like for like pain scale for like a long time and then I started this carnivore diet for like a little over a month now and it has dropped like to like a, a constant like two or three it's like dropped like a point or two like this is so it like helps me recognize that it's like what's happening within my own body and like it's like a it's like a a tracker right i'm I'm keeping track of myself and like i'm understanding like i'm appreciating like wow i really do feel better like i'm so happy right now that i that i'm not in a a constant torture so it helps you gauge
0: the psychological condition of your pain
1: yes which is which is a relief I in itself. It's just, it's just knowing that, like, if I don't eat sugar, my back will hurt less. That's 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 damn near enough to stay away from sugar.
0: Well, that's a good motivator.
1: It, yeah. That's the only reason I work out <laughs> is to avoid pain. Yeah, I might not go back to sugar. Like, this is. And I'm I'm straight up addicted to sugar. Like like there's no physical withdrawals ever that I ever experienced. Well, sugar is a but, is a drug. And it has but become like one. The mental hold that sugar has, because it operates on the same um, receptors as opi- opium and opiates. It like does the same. It, it interacts with your brain the same way. Same reward center. The same ev- like neurons get fired. And mm. it's just it's so frustrating how it's pushed onto our, our everyone, onto kids, onto. You know... And it's it in do. everything. There's a thing called the bliss point, right? The bliss point is how much sugar you can put in your food before it starts to taste off and is no longer increasing its flavor. Why is that? Why are we keeping track of that? We don't need... Sh- sugar is literally
0: killing our nation. Well, it manipulates. I think sugar is another way to manipulate it is. our purchasing, right? I mean, I try to have... I haven't had milk or even cereal in years. And recently, my cousin was visiting us. I love milk. And he bought cinnamon toast crunch and you know half a gallon of milk okay so when he left he he left those things behind i said what the hell i'll have a bowl of cereal mm. i can't remember it's it blew my mind because it'd been so many years since i had cereal maybe more than a decade just how incredibly over sweetened it was it's amazing i mean just the milk afterwards on a, just a and i didn't like having... an in, you know, I didn't have a Shrek's worth of cereal or something. It was a normal bowl of cereal, and the milk was so sweet. It was, if in my mind, it was sweeter than had I been like licking a lollipop. I mean, it was just pure sugar, and I was disgusted by it because I couldn't finish it. I had to like dump the rest out because all I tasted was sugar. Yeah, that, there was I love no.
1: That. You're like literally killing me right now. Dude, I, like, I I don't I'm have fucking,
0: your withdrawal when it comes dude, to sugar. I've never had a sweet so, tooth though. Not we, really.
1: We hung out with a group of friends recently, mm. and one of the guys brought donuts and i oh, right. i i wanted them so bad dude it was it was awful like i was getting mad i was like and then i was just like i'm just gonna do push-ups just gonna do push-ups until this until this goes away did it work well i it, it distracted me right yeah. so eventually the craving went away because how many was,
0: push-ups did you
1: do i don't even know over 30 probably oh wow i, I was just sitting there just pumping it out i was yeah. just like this has got to stop eventually <laughs> um but then i had to get up because a friend was trying to get to the another room i was like get dry. everybody's just pissing you off get in your fucking way Dude, i have a lot of anger <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. but it, yeah it's it's crazy ah, it's it's a literal addiction i think i think about sugar and sex about the same amount of times in a day i was keeping a mental like tally that
0: brings up something and i, I was to talk like this, about- is, this is
1: insane that how how primal the desire for sugar is for me
0: i i i in general hate primal instincts i mean the in the, in the sense that i don't really have control over them my body my mind will sabotage me no matter how smart i think i am my mind will sabotage me in order for me to change my habits because it whatever it determines is bad for me but we'll talk i want to talk about addiction but let's finish the uh, 10 commandments
1: so uh, number 8 mm-hmm. uh plan your experience so this is uh set and setting setting uh, making sure you have food and water uh nearby that you might or need or like a guardian yeah a chaperone if you yeah. want if you need that too depending on how much you're doing or what you're doing too so like uh like I find that to be very important too, to like, you know, have a rational uh idea of what you're getting into. It made you know, and have everything prepared for what you need. It's a Boy Scout rule is what that it one is, is. No, it
0: is literally being a Boy Scout uh when you if you decide <laughs> to trip. And I I can say from my own experiences that I did feel I had a better trip and felt safer. When I knew uh, in one particular instance where I knew I had a guardian or maybe I could consider two guardians and also in instances where I was with people I knew would be fun to be around while they were tripping. I think that affects, I would say it affects anyone mentally, but it definitely affected me mentally in terms of how well I handled the trip, whether it was good or bad because I've had bad trips and boy, that is not fun
1: i I've tripsit sit before and I actually kind of like it oh, I, yes. I, I, I I like trip sitting because I can still kind of like vibe oh, trip off sitting, yeah. yeah and and I, I can vibe off the energy without even having to partake i I still have fun the people around me are being goofy and they're like you know experiencing their own worlds and things like that and if they need help I'm there to like reassure them that everything's good
0: well I think you're one of the you're one of the few people that if you woke up tomorrow and you were inside of some zany cartoon reality you'd be fine you just whatever that's
1: just reality now yeah i'd be kind of upset that like everything i work towards is now gone but then i'd be like all right let's get let's get the chalk let's you know it's like chalk zone over here i'm gonna start drawing we're gonna start like creating my own creations we'll be good um so number nine is have uh help services contact information like uh if you need any kind of i don't know i don't really know who does this like he didn't specify what services there would be besides just medical services um but a big thing he pointed out was to have i don't know a piece of paper written down what you took how much you took when yeah. you're taking it if you're taking re-doses and what time if, if you have i mean that's like that, really responsible and keep that in like a shirt pocket or something like that keep that on your person i'm like it's, well i mean if you're doing like
0: i can't think of anyone who dep- i like has ever done that though maybe if you were completely alone but yeah
1: no, I don't know who. I, well, that's that's I mean, why that's why that, he created you know? this. Though yeah. this is to be extremely safe. Right. He covered all his bases. He's he, he, am yeah, he not arguing
0: come. that you shouldn't, but that's just yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot. It's, no, it is, yeah.
1: and if, it, I don't think most people are going to do that because I mean, most people aren't going to test their their shit. Most people aren't going to like you know. Well,
0: I think you know actually, I think that that would probably become a more common practice
1: if it was more readily available it, for sure. Well, talked it,
0: about. Well, if it was more, if it was legal. In the first place, nobody wants oh, to leave evidence of yeah. their illegal action, yeah, right? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, by sure. the way, officer, I have an eight ball in my pocket. Now, I'm not only sick and, and dying, I'd like to go to jail. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that That's, I think, part of the stigma with that.
1: And then uh, number 10 was give your body plenty of time between uh, subs- substances.
0: Especially with to psychedelics.
1: Re- recover. Yeah, psychedelics and if you're going to the same substance i think he says same classification of drug Mm -hmm. to stay uh to keep a wider uh gap he's saying like at least two to three days was was like the minimum um but you should probably go for more depending on like you know like if you're doing psychedelics you might want to go a a couple months or something before you do it again just so you can kind of like have unless unless you're on a, a journey some people will do like a Retreats, like still Simon retreats and things like that. Yeah, and even at ayahuasca, where they I've heard where of they some they things. go for like a week and yeah. something. And over that week, they do it like a few, like a a few times that week, and they go through therapy and talk and and things like that, and they really do. The psychedelics are like the future no
0: the retreat sounded like fun i actually heard about that when i was in the southwest last
1: year when i was in arizona and whatnot. i feel like arizona would be a big place for. Oh, that. dude
0: i'm telling you it, people are so chill out there
1: and um if it's not that at least peyote you know
0: well there was apparently like these little groups these like i don't know why but it made me think of like minimal chiropractics i don't know why i just had that vibe like you know sm- or a yoga class or something mm-hmm. But they were like little retreats. You pay like a certain amount of money and you go for a week in two or three days. And some were camping and some were just like at a location or like a resort or what have you. Um, or someone's in some like one I heard was like a person's house, like some rich guy's house or some shit. And I thought that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like you just pay a little bit of money, like probably a few hundred dollars or whatever. Maybe yeah. get more expensive, but you go and you just trip with a bunch of strangers.
1: <laughs> See, that would, that would freak me out being around. People I don't know, I don't trust. That's, I like, know, but that's all. part of the
0: fun too, because you don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I don't like. Yeah, I don't. Well, want, you
0: don't like losing control. No, period. I hate that. That's yeah. why
1: one of the reasons I I I, I don't want to do uh, the psychedelics and other drugs like that because yeah. they last so long. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be out of control that long. Like, like, give me like an hour, like an hour tops. Like, I want to be able to like you know come yeah. back.
0: I found that in my experience, in my life, and the different things I've tried, I. I love psychedelics and I prefer stimulants. I do not like depressants. I don't like things that um, take you out and make you, you know, like a slobbering zombie, you know, like uh, uh, like pot or um, um, even alcohol, even though I like uh, drinking alcohol. And I can say, because I was going to ask you, and I do ask you this, but for me, the only thing I can say I've ever been addicted to was alcohol. And looking back, I was definitely an alcoholic Mm. in my twenties and I did, I, changes in my life happened to, to make me, that forced me to stop being one. Um, both, both were personal, both from personal experience and just life changing, you know, jobs and, and and moving, things like that. What, have you ever been addicted to anything?
1: Sugar. That's the, I mean, I've been, I've been mentally addicted, addicted to sugar and I have, been physically addicted to uh um caffeine like i've gone through withdrawals so obviously that means i was addicted if i have a headache the day after and i don't like because i didn't drink coffee i'm I'm, I'm physically addicted yeah that's true i mean coffee is one of those things that it's like there's so many health benefits associated with coffee that i'm like that's all right i don't mind i don't mind so much that i'm physically addicted if i don't have it i'm not gonna I'm not going to cry a river. You know, I'll be okay. It's you know, just going to be slightly dis- did, uh, you, discomfort.
0: Did we talk about, I feel like maybe we talked about this before in a previous episode, the The origin of the coffee break and how I can't remember if we talked about this or I heard it in a lecture and I forget who talks about it, but coffee, one of the interesting things about coffee being introduced into our culture because it is, it is more of a, coffee was introduced around the dawn of the industrial age. So it's a, it's a modern uh, stimulant. Right.
1: Well, yeah. To the wild populace, for sure. I mean, it's always been a big thing in the. Well, it's always been know. on
0: the earth, and we knew yeah. about it, and we made it. Uh, we or we. Right, but it coffee cultivated. Coffee bean.
1: But what they found was
0: that uh, before coffee, most people, most laborers, uh, drank alcohol, mm-hmm. and because of that, production was generally low and lackadaisical or lazy. I can't talk today. Yeah um but then coffee was introduced mm-hmm. and that led to the the term the coffee break and coffee did the opposite coffee stimulated people and made them more imaginative and therefore better problem solvers and and more productive and that all occurred right around the same time the industrial revolution took off in, uh, globally around the planet yeah and that's that helped introduce coffee It probably is the main reason rather that coffee became so prevalent in our culture
1: i thought it was before that i thought it was um uh more like the enlightenment um period i thought it was well before that at least in europe um, I, i'm talking but I, but
0: I but w- that occurred but definitely i would argue that it was way more prolific to give coffee to the labor because that's who most most of the planet is laborers
1: right but that that is what um I, have heard before, especially in like the Middle East, it was actually coffee houses were, were banned for the longest time because people were uprising. They were talking. They were communicating. They were right. having these ideas and they were, like you said, it's a stimulus. So they're like fucking amped about this shit. And they're like, yeah, this, this is awful. This is terrible. And it's not a depressive. So it's not like slowing you down. It's not making you, um, subservient to the the earth you know mm. like when you're when coffee makes you it makes you a go getter you know it, like you said it it increases your speech and it yeah um makes you more creative and it makes you think i like it in a more oh, fast-paced I mean, way. yeah i
0: mean it's like a it's i would compare it <laughs> having knowing what adderall feels like i would say coffee is like a a 10 percent of that experience, I mean, it literally it makes you feel kind of yeah. Like, a, when you, like when a you go from a culture minor Superman. that is
1: on a on a depressant to a culture on that a is stimulant. on a stimulant. Yeah. How is that not better? Yeah. Well, I don't right? know if it's better, but it's definitely more productive. Dude, boy, isn't production better than 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 subservience uh, and, and I would and argue that.
0: I would argue that. Uh, well, hold on. I would argue that <laughs> a stimulant, having a more productive society, leads to greater problems and greater threats for human, for human well-being because yeah. look at the world I we mean, live in because of it.
1: With, with, uh, with great risk comes great reward. Yeah. But what is the reward? <laughs>
0: we set no ceiling toward, there's no ceiling for our goals as a culture. And so we keep running into new milestones that just,
1: no, you start creating your own problems. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a
0: good point. I mean, who's, you, who's more, who's more satisfied, um, it has a healthier state of mind, you know. A uh, uh, an Amish person, or you know, your your typical modern, you know, um, yuppie.
1: Yeah, You're just a sweaty a city a city dweller versus a, a, a an Amish or a, a, a rural. country dweller or yeah. a farmer. Yeah,
0: I mean, these people, they're I, the I ones think, I met I think, were always I much think, more happy to me. Than
1: I was. I think both instances, they have their own problems. They're just different. Well, there's
0: no such thing as no
1: problems. Right. Yeah. And I think that two problems and pain and all that is relative, right? So oh, my yeah. worst problem is still my worst problem. It doesn't matter what I went through or what oh, you thought. I thought you through. meant that. I think it's very relative. I think it's subjective. You know, I think that the worst imaginable thing that, that I've gone through is still has impacted me just as much as your, your worst thing.
0: Well, yeah. Freud would agree with you. Um <laughs> I th- I thought I would say that it's relative but it's relative to severity a- in terms of human well-being. So meaning that the more comp- the more complex and stressful a life is and I and I mean that more in the in terms of like mentally complex and stressful as opposed to physically because physically our physical limits are obvious, right? Our mental ones are not. You know, the human brain is always memorizing constantly memorizing new data uh so i would say that there was l- there was greater suffering in a more complex mind than there is in a simple mind a- in terms of not not saying one is smarter or better right. than the other but in terms of what they have to manage yeah you know because
1: you're i guess I, yeah there's there there's a a non-subjective like there i would like you know like state of there's a there's a there's a scale of of non-subjective torture you know like 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 this this trauma is is horrible for anyone but i think also along that scale where where i go is still my worst imaginable thing and along yours is still your worst imaginable thing so it's like it's well, still yeah, you can only the suffer right yeah as far but there, as the but limits I mean, of your suffering there are limits right right
0: but i think i you know i thought about i've thought about this many times i think that is one of the motivators for why people take drugs in the first place or are curious too I mean, what, what do we do, and here I'm going to get deep, what do we do as humans in our, in our existence that isn't a management of stress? Everything we do manages stress in some way, through some, for, uh, in, through some variety or through some severity. Everything we do, that, from chewing gum to you twiddling your thumb right now, everything is a management of stress. And I think drugs are just one more tool for that
1: yeah yeah for sure um they, they can act as an escape then they can act as a a tool to get over your traumas and pains and different things they can act, you know that depends how you well use they it.
0: act even sometimes uh
1: i think you, yeah i mean but the, there's different ways of managing stress Well, the, the, sometimes, well even with drug. yeah
0: sometimes it's just a mitigator it's right. not always an escape
1: you know what i mean Right. you, it you it don't want to leave it, it the it.
0: stress you want to just be able to manage it Oh, so, OK. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, like, uh, like a psychedelic would
1: a psychedelic wouldn't make you leave the stress. It would make you overcome it.
0: Yes. But that refers to um, one thing we what was it named? That refers, I think, to the that is in part not refers to, but is affected by the Shulgin writing, which is something Trot mentions in his book.
1: Yeah, that was just a way for him to help describe um, the level of. That he was at on his psychedelic journey,
0: right? The reason I bring it up is because, especially with psychedelics, um, where you are on that chart, where your what your rating is, I think affects how well you can determine whether you're managing anything at all. Because you reach mm. a point
1: where, oh yeah, you know a, what I mean. A point where, once you're, where you're an where astronaut, you're just, you're just, you're just <laughs> you just succumb to whatever, just, whatever you're happens. Floating you're floating in the ocean, man. You're, you're on, a, you're on yeah. a roller coaster. Yeah, you know, you're strapped in for the ride. Yeah which is something i don't want to oh dude it is that.
0: it changes you permanently yeah
1: i for the better they say i don't think i've ever I've never i would heard, agree i think
0: that um, there, there
1: are a few instances where people have bad trips on, oh i've uh, had a bad on trip on shrooms
0: not on shrooms on LSD. lsd
1: i don't like lsd lsd um so the way that a lot of these um uh hallucinogenics and psychedelics work is by working off your serotonin receptors right so what i like psilocybin what how it reacts literally it just kind of tumbles in your brain hits a receptor tumbles away hits another one and it just kind of decays and just kind of peters out but with LSD it hits a receptor that receptor locks over it and just just firing and firing and firing and it's like yeah, it just I doesn't know. let go it and is. it doesn't decay and when you crack your back you get an, uh, a, a aftershock vi- vision and i'm like this is that is insane like i don't the like, simplest no comparison
0: you. i can make having done both is that tripping on shrooms is like a romance it's a love story with yourself mm. Tripping on LSD is a battle. I mean, it's like being in the middle of a war. I I've never had a good trip on
1: LSD and that's why I don't take it. Some some people, like you some do no, I know. Some people people like like Terrence McKenna has had great experiences with uh lsd that always blows my mind he he sings it from the rooftops man it blows my mind because i know
0: people that that take lsd or have and their experience is always positive in fact the more they amp the more tabs they take the more they amp it up the more profound and lovable their experience is i mean i don't know why some of my friends are rainbow cats on a surfboard through the universe and it's it's just
1: brain brain chemistry right we all have different brains we all have different experiences in life life you know experiences and uh it all it all comes together with psychedelics like everything the way your brain is formed physically the way the chemistry is the way your past experience your psychology everything comes together and is affected by this and, and that's also with shrooms and that's with um mdma and you know that's it's all these different um hallucinogenics you know they all work off that same way so what is what are your final thoughts Drugs uh, are cool, but I don't really do them. Drugs are really excellent, dude. Dinner. They're freaking awesome. That's what I'm going to say. The tiniest substance, <laughs> is, it can affect your whole body. That it just it, it 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 blows my mind. I love it. It's so cool, fascinating, and and just amazing. But I don't really partake, <laughs> which is weird. But I find it just just fascinating in itself. So for
0: you, it's a, it's a. It's a logic study. You you're more like a bird watcher. You yeah. just kind of on the outside. well. It's weird
1: because I'm like I'm so passionate about talking about this. I've I've done so much different research and I, and I love talking about it. Like I've been so amped at talking about this conversation. For, I don't even know why, but like I just it excites me. It's like this is this is insane. Like this is crazy that like the you can experience an alternate world just by this tiny little thing by this little substance. Well, you
0: know, you touch on something that. It, I was still a child when I realized I was just beginning to understand neurology in, the, in terms of like the power of the mind, right? And the more I study what the mind, the human mind, the human brain is capable of, um, the less or the more atheistic I become just because I think nothing compares to the emulator that we're walking around with on a daily basis. I mean, the if you think of the brain as a computer, we're walking around with a supercomputer that was invented billions of years ago, you know, and only continues to evolve and become more complex and, and interesting. And psychedelics let you walk into new rooms. In fact, I heard, I heard a great uh, analogy for what, um, uh, for what a a new trip is like. And, and the analogy is this, when you begin a trip, it's like giving your, it's like you're sledding. It's like you've been sledding on a hill. And when you take the psychedelics, you give yourself a brand new hill of snow. And I, I just love that for some reason. I love, I don't know who came up with
1: that, but I, was that is one of the best feelings in the world is like when you get to a hill full of snow and it's fresh and you just you get to make the first track. It, it it does feel like that, I especially that. when you
0: first when the when the when the strip that's the strip, the trip first comes starts coming on. It very much feels like that, like you're you know, a kid at the top of it. Well, that's so.
1: what kids are constantly tripping in a sense. Because, oh, I agree. Because yeah, their, the brains, their brain yeah. is, is, is making connections that our brains have pruned right they no longer make these connections so our brain map is very close together like all our circuitry is very close and then when you you look at uh, a brain on shrooms or even a child's brain they're leaping across uh these gaps and making new connections and they're seeing the world in a different way and everything is fresh and new and exciting when when people talk about trees breathing like they, they look like they're breathing and they're like moving around and a shimmering like kids are kind of seeing a similar thing like people say they have an overactive imagination no they're just high as fuck Mm -hmm. like that's just their brain their brain literally has is making these connections that your brain has pruned and made shortcuts to right oh sure i mean excuse me that we have as
0: adults what the main thing you do as a human as a learning human and growing human is uh how to edit how to edit and manage thoughts because um if you don't do that then you are always sort of a victim of of aimless thought and that can cause a lot of trouble
1: i think that's where artists come into play though too is that they they have allowed themselves or they have counteracted the pruning uh aspect like they have kept alive the connections trying to still see the world in fresh eyes and and imaginative eyes and seeing like and, and not letting things just like like this is reality and taking things at face value. They try and make a, 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 a balloon into an animal, right? Oh, like I, they, with, I agree. with the world I think, around them.
0: Yeah. To add to that, I would, I always say to myself, or I've always said that in part being an artist or just imaginative in general, or a drug user is to reclaim your responsibility to sort of relive, you know, or to let the child out. Cause the child doesn't go anywhere. I mean, I'm, Inside, I'm I'm still nine. I'm still fifteen. I'm still twenty-one. You know the some of the same desires and uh, idiotic <laughs> anecdotal, you know, um, either imagined or real experiences of my life. They're they're still there. Some of those things are still there. I I've had to edit them as I've gotten older. But if I could, if I could put my mind in a younger body, like in the movie Surrogates or something, I, I would. I mean, I don't think what would be the difference if I, if I, especially if I never let on to how smarter, you know, philosophical I was. If I just suddenly had the body
1: of a ten-year-old again, I could be a ten-year-old again. Oh, I hate the thing I hate about being a kid was the the lack of freedom. That was that always always bugged me having to be under someone else's thumb. Oh, I think I think we have. So more I, would, I would hate to be ten again. Is also.
0: <laughs> I think we, I mean, there's obviously some exception, but I think in general. There's more freedom as a child than there is as, a, as an adult. There's so much
1: more that there's less responsibility, but I would say you're not free in any regard. Not if you have a parent that is keeping track of you and making sure you're following the rules and and punishing you when you break them and uh, trying to cultivate you. you're not I don't think you're free at all. Yeah, but you I, you, I, I, th- you just, I, th- I think I' can compiled the bar- that uh, uh, maybe maybe adulthood you, has has more invisible bars and they're still there. But there's a lot more visible bars as a kid.
0: Well, the, the parent is replaced by so many more parents as an adult, if you want to think
1: of it that way. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not part of society like that. <laughs> I don't think you get a choice. What do you mean I, get a, I get a choice? I don't wear masks. Yeah. Until you're told. I asked. No one's told me to.
0: But someone could, and you would. I don't know.
1: I might walk out. I, I am, really hate being told but, what to do. Oh, nobody likes I, I hate it. I'll be like, I'm not going to your store then. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll go to Target. I don't care.
0: I think the real the real manipulation, the real clever play occurs when you tell yourself to do something you don't want to do. Because you will listen to yourself. I don't know.
1: I I try to do things that I don't want to do. And a lot of time I feel like uh, being consistent. I'm bad at being consistent with things. Uh, with a new thing, I should say. Like, if I'm trying to pick up a new skill or something, I'm really bad at being consistent with it and sticking with it, even if I tell myself to. I think I have, I, if I have responsibility to someone else, then I'll follow through. I think I know what I'm going to follow through next.
0: I'm going to get high. No. <laughs> All right. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, that also helps. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're still listening then please consider supporting the show. We're working hard on our passion to create quality content, and we want to bring you much more. Indeed, we've got big plans for what we want to add to Audio Pong, and we'd also love to hear from you, the audience, on topics or content Zach and
1: I can create for you. Visit Audio Pong on redcircle.com for more information on where to support the show and where to listen. Also, feel free to contact us directly through email with audiopong at gmail.com. Be happy. Be healthy. And I have, have a metal, metal life. life.